What's happened to everybody? Another episode of Locked On 49ers here getting into the latest injury report following a huge overtime win against the Bengals in Cincinnati. How's that playoff picture look now for those seven and six 49ers? Can we talk a little bit about the five seed maybe even, or is that too soon? And D'Amico Ryans, uh, has he fallen in the footsteps of his predecessor, Robert Sala? Stock up for D'Amico Ryans. Let's get into this. How are the 49ers looking headed into week 15? Coming up right now on Lockdown 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brock getting hyped behind the scene here in the intro music. He's punching the air over here. Uh, that's the vibe right now with these 49ers, man. Uh, th- this playoff picture, 76% right now. That only can go up with a win against the Atlanta Falcons. We'll get to that a little bit later. I'm Brian Peacock, NFL analyst. That is Eric Crocker, former NFL and AFL football player cornerback specifically. Uh, he coaches up that technique. That's why I love having him on the show to give me that um, just that inside knowledge of how these players are playing the game. He's also the co-host of Locked On NFL Draft, and uh, we're going to start talking draft a little bit later than we might have thought of a few weeks ago. The yeah. Niners thing. <laughs> we're we're playing ball in January here, Crocky. So um, we were worried too, right? We were like, if Niners don't have a first round pick, I don't know if anybody's going to keep listening to the show. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what's funny is the second the they're wherever they pick first gets later and later. The better they do, but. That, that's that's a good sign for the 49ers. You know, pick 32nd in round two. I think that's A-OK with everybody listening to this podcast right now. I want to start off with a little injury update with what's going on with those San Francisco 49ers. Such great play from the linebackers this week. And uh, both of the big names to join now, Dre Greenlaw, are banged up and could potentially be on the shelf Right now, uh, looking at Aziz Alshier and Fred Warner both came out of that game in Cincinnati with injuries. It's an ankle injury for Fred Warner day to day and an elbow injury for Aziz Alshier uh, also day to day, according to Kyle Shanahan. So uh, not serious injuries, but at some point they're running out of linebackers. Um, I did see Marcel Harris, though, pop up and make a couple of plays Sunday. Uh, he made a nice play behind the line of scrimmage, which which was a fantastic one. And so um I mean, I guess it would be Harris and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles starting if they can't go. I have a feeling Fred Warner and Aziz Alshier are going to do everything they can to play this weekend. Um, it's a pretty important game. Uh, another injury, Ambry Thomas is in concussion protocol. And so uh, maybe we'll get the other rookie, Diamador Lenore, starting this week. Uh, it turns out, and, and Kyle Shanahan after the game dropped the news of what personal reasons Dante Johnson was dealing with. Uh, so I don't know if he'll be back, but uh, unfortunately he lost his mother to a heart attack and uh, that's a really sad story. So our heart goes out to Dante Johnson and that whole family that that's an unfortunate thing. And we didn't really know what the reason was that Dante Johnson wasn't able to play. And and now we know, uh, and that's a huge bummer. So that's unfortunate. And, and I don't know what his status is, if he'll be back Sunday, uh, but now Ambry Thomas in concussion protocol, Getting thinner and thinner at corner, but Crocky's not worried. Crocky is not worried about those cornerbacks, right? Or do we, do you, when do you start to get worried? Because you just haven't been worried about those corners. I wouldn't say that I'm not worried. I would just say, you know, you, you got to figure it out, right? It's football. Everybody has injuries at, you know, multiple positions. And you got to put together a, a scheme or a game plan to help 
you know, help the secondary guys, you know, and they, I thought, I thought D'Amico Ryan did a good job of keeping two safeties high, you know, trying to, as much as he can, eliminate the big ball. So uh, that's what it takes. You got to, you got to figure it out. And teams around the league are trying to figure it out as well. One more injury note real quick. Uh, D Ford, it looks like he's played his last down probably as a San Francisco 49er. It uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be coming back off of injured reserve this season. Um, this, they, they couldn't save any money because of how his salary was structured in 2021, or else he probably wouldn't have been on the roster this year just because of all those injuries. Uh, they can save $9 million, almost $10 million against the cap next wow. year with a $2 million cap hit if they cut him in 2022, which is exactly what's going to happen. So it looks like he's that out is of here <laughs> of D Ford's. Yeah. I mean, it's a no brainer. That's the end of D Ford's run uh, as a San Francisco 49er. Unfortunately could not stay healthy because he was impactful when he was healthy, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's been the story of his career. So it looks like that is the end for D Ford. D'Amico Ryan's though. I don't know if we talked about him enough on the post game pod crock. We didn't give him a game ball. I kind of want to give him a late game ball because of how well the defense played. And uh, Zach Taylor, I heard an interview uh, from him with the press conference, post game press conference for the bagels talking about D'Amico Ryan's and that 49ers defense and how good they played and how, how difficult it was for Zach Taylor's offense because the 49ers could play the two deep shell and the front seven was taking care of business up front and making things difficult on them to run the ball and doing what they needed to do against uh, Joe Mixon in the running game and Tyler Boyd underneath. And a lot is put on those linebackers in that sort of a scenario. And the defensive line has done a pretty good job. And I think there were some early hiccups with D'Amico Ryan's defense earlier on in the season and they figured that stuff out and they're plugging holes in the running game and allowing you to have you know four defensive backs you know, not not near the line of scrimmage to to help against the run. So uh, I think that was awesome, and that's probably what the recipe is going to be going forward. And then showing some other looks and bringing a safety down here and there, and blitzing Kwan Williams off the corner here and there, and doing some other things. But if you're going to get a healthy Nick Bosa that's continually pressuring pressuring opposing quarterbacks, and you're going to get the front seven to play like that against the run and those linebackers ranging out in coverage, uh, you can do more things with your secondary. And it was just fantastic. It, it was well played by D'Amico Ryan's defense. And I, I, I really thought today about it, about how, remember Robert Sala's in the early going. Uh, people hated Robert Sala. They wanted to run him out yeah. of town in 2017 because they didn't even know who the guy was at first. And the defense was bad and they were undermanned. And uh, that whole defense was gutted. And then they started to get better. And then 2019 happened and Nick Bosa showed up and they started to get really good. And now he's off and a head coach somewhere. And Kyle Shanahan talks about how D'Amico Ryan's is probably going to end up being a head coach someday. And you start seeing the defense struggle a little bit earlier on in the season. You thought, well, okay, maybe too much too soon for D'Amico Ryan's, but they're starting to settle in right now. So stock up for sure for D'Amico Ryan's and uh, that 49ers defense right now. I like the way they're playing and, and really able to cover some deficiencies on the back end right now. Yeah, I mean, he's been able to cover deficiencies wherever they are on the defense, whether it's guys on the defensive line being hurt. You know, they planned on having, you know, uh, D4 be able to play more snaps, but he hasn't been healthy. So you go with, you know, Arden Key and, you know, whoever else they have, you know, rushing alongside Nick Bosa. You know, he's had to play without linebackers, whether it was, you know, multiple combinations of maybe Fred Warner being out. And if he's not out, then Gray Greenlaw, he's missed most of the season. Then Aziz Al-Shair, like he might have to miss time. And, all it's been is kind of 
all right, plug and play. Let me mix guys in there and, and come up with some type of concoction that, that works. And I always look at the, the, the scheme, like what was his thought process going into a game plan? And I think more times than not this year, he's been really good. Whether it was with the Lions and how he came out against them, that, I mean, they had 17 points up until two minutes left in the in that game. Uh, you look at the next week against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I believe they had like three points. Most of that game had some big time stops, uh, even the Packers game where, you know, uh, you had a couple of turnovers, right? Uh, the interception from Garoppolo, they returned to the scoring position. That time Garoppolo like threw the ball backwards. They were in scoring position. But even then, for most of that game, he was able to kind of hold them off a little bit until that last drive of the game. And, and then this game, you know, six points at halftime. They get two touchdowns in the second half. But for, for the most part, again, having to really simplify his defense. And one thing that I didn't really think about, my guy, uh, Mike Andrews, he pointed it out on Twitter. He said, "This uh, Embry Thomas didn't plan to be the starter. It was Dante Johnson. It wasn't until the very last minute that the unfortunate, you know, situation with his mother and you know prayers up to the Johnson family. But it wasn't up until the very last minute that they knew he wouldn't even be able to play. He had to leave. And then as I already Embry Thomas, let's try to figure out a way to just be able to get you on the field and get through a game. So, so you know, again." More kudos to D'Amico Ryan for just saying, all right, I got to throw this guy in here without any reps or preparation for anything that Cincinnati's really doing and be able to come away with the win from that. And even some of the early struggles for the 49ers defense was partially because of the offense not staying on the field and the 49ers defense was just playing too many plays and they were gassed in some games earlier on in the season. So uh, really, I, I don't see how you could not be very pleased with the job that D'Amico Ryans has done so he's far. He's done well. Uh, yeah, he's done well. For the 49ers. So Niners are in good hands there on defense. So uh warms my heart. Makes me feel real good, like a warm blanket, knowing that D'Amico Ryans is in charge. He's like a calm dude. Like hearing him talk and just seeing him walk around on the sidelines makes me confident. So I know he probably that that I think he exudes that. And he probably makes uh the the defensive players feel that way on the sideline. Do you get that vibe right. from him? Yeah, no, nah, definitely. Seems like a guy I like to play with. And I've seen him mic'd up. I believe it was in training camp. And, you know, he gets excited. He can get a little excited. But, uh, you know, overall, you know, former player, really smart, middle linebacker. He used to be in kind of the quarterback of that whole thing on the defensive side of the ball. And I think just, you know, his smarts and however he views, you know, the game and what he thinks can help the front end and the back end, he's done a really good job of mixing everything together. And, again, this is with, you know, coming off the heels of Robert Sala, who and I told people I don't think the transition is going to be as difficult as most people think because D'Amico Ryan's is a guy who one he's been coaching this entire time two he comes from a linebacker background they're the quarterbacks of the team you know on the defense regardless and he's been in every meeting and every step of the way with Robert Sala with Robert Sala being the first time defensive coordinator and the things that he did well or things that you know man I wish I would have did this different or okay this situation I have to do this. D'Amico Ryan's been there for the entire time since this coaching staff came together. So I figured he'd have the right mindset with what it was that he wanted to do from his playing career to his time with the 49ers leading up to his opportunity as defense coordinator. And he's done, he's done a really good job with what he's had. Offensively, defensively, things seem to be coming together pretty well for the 49ers here as they hit the stretch run and try to make those playoffs. We'll check out that playoff picture next. I want to let the folks out there know, though, about boost mobile you listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge right you switch to boost mobile for the power of saving money because with boost you get the power of a free 5g phone 
so you can listen to all the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G, which is blazing. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks, more power to save Boost Mobile, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply, offers coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See boostmobile.com for details. Guys, it's never too late to start thinking about the Super Bowl 49ers above 500 in that playoff. Or can they head up to uh, maybe the five seed? Maybe can they take uh the nfc west maybe a little bit more dicey there but not mathematically and especially when it's all going down so close to home for super bowl 56 at sofi it's less than 100 days away and on location the official hospitality partner of the nfl is the only place to score a once in a lifetime super bowl ticket and experience package select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pre-game celebration with nfl legends Five-star L.A. hotels, chefed up food. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. I have a Super Bowl feeling about this season. Let's get there with on location. Okay, Crocky. Let's talk playoffs. Let's do 49ers. According to 538.com, uh, we've ref- referenced this mo- multiple times, especially leading up to that Vikings game. That was a pivotal game. I think this was a big week. Next week, a big one, too. Let's play through this scenario here. 49ers at 7-6 and six right now, currently the sixth seed in the NFC, and currently only one of six teams, which is insane, in the NFC that are above 500 right now. Every other team is below 500 nobody's even at 500 in the nfc five teams though by the way at six and seven right behind those 49ers a five-way tie atlanta one of those teams currently 49ers have a 76 percent chance of making the playoffs which looks pretty good when you click the little button here at 538.com and you look ahead to next week and if the 49ers beat those atlanta falcons that number jumps up to Climbing, climbing, 89%. gets close to 90% there if they beat the Falcons. And if I'm not mistaken, if they win one more game, it's darn near 100%. If they go two for two in the next two weeks, Atlanta and Tennessee, 98% chance you're in the playoffs. The 49ers essentially only have to win nine games to be guaranteed a playoff spot at this point. And especially if they beat those NFC teams, because that means they've got that next tiebreaker, which is conference record so uh, i mean 78 is one thing i feel like it's better i think the 49ers have a better than 78 percent chance of winning two out of the next four games right they're gonna go 500 even if things don't go great because one of those games against the falcons they're the worst six and seven team in the history of the nfl and <laughs> the other team is the heck the texans who are maybe just flat out the worst team in the history of the nfl they're awful well you know the tough thing too though especially going up against a team like atlanta we have Matt Ryan. I mean, that's a former MVP quarterback. He still can play at a high level. Now, the one thing I've seen with the Falcons, and I know we'll start getting into that game, their offensive line from the games I've seen is atrocious. 
And then just the offense in general, not having guys like uh, Riddler, Ridley out there. We'll see if he comes back. Last I checked, he had just been gone, you know, for like his own personal reasons. So we'll see whenever he's available to come back. But if he's not, <laughs> I mean, who is it? Russell Gage? I think that's who he's throwing the ball to. And then uh, obviously Kyle Pitts, and he's a terrific tight end. They like to split him out at receiver. But that team, they, they have some guys that can play well, but they don't scare me. Like you said, it might be the worst seven, uh, six and seven team in the league. But when you have a really good quarterback, you're always going to kind of be in the mix. And here's what's crazy. So let's say the Rams on Monday Night Football at the Arizona Cardinals tonight. The game has not happened yet as of us recording this podcast. Um, if the Rams lose and then lose next week to Seattle and the 49ers beat Atlanta next week, the Niners are in the driver's seat for the five seat because then they're uh, tied at eight and six with the Rams and had already beaten them head to head. And I think would have the tiebreaker as yeah. well over them with conference records. So if they can uh, essentially, if the 49ers can win out and beat the Rams as one of those teams and the Rams lose more than one game, Niners are your five seed there. And so I don't know if it really matters the difference between five seed and six seed this year, but it would be kind of fun to play spoiler for those Rams. Uh, I don't think the Rams. No, it can... makes a difference because, I mean, do you want to go to Tampa and have to take on the Buccaneers or do you want to go to Dallas and play the Cowboys? I would rather play the Cowboys. <laughs> right. That's a great. So I, I think the best path for the 49ers is to avoid the Buccaneers. I am confident that the 49ers could beat and look, and they could also lose any of these games, but I think they have a better chance of beating the Rams, beating the Packers, or beating the Cowboys in the playoffs. If those are the games they have to play, I think it really bodes well for them rather than going in week one wild card to play the Buccaneers. And, and again, I mean, if he has the 49ers, they don't care who they play. And and we don't care who they play. We just want the 49ers. Hey, just get to the playoffs and then let's go. The tournament starts, everybody's 0-0 zero, zero from there. And 49ers, playoff time, hopefully it's like 2019 where all of a sudden 49ers are super healthy, completely healthy, one of the most healthiest teams in the NFL come to vision around playoffs around that time. So if they can kind of, you know, get into the playoffs, have a nice little seed, be able to go to Dallas where the weather is, you know, you're not going to deal with the inclement weather or anything like that. You're indoors. Cowboys have looked really weird as of late. Dak Prescott's turning the ball over at a high alarming rate. Uh, threw a pick six last game. They let the Washington football team back in the game. The one thing that the Cowboys have been good at is taking the ball away. So if the 49ers could just not do that, I mean, I, I like I like it against Dallas. And then getting the groove from there, then okay, whoever we got to see from there, let's go. But um, yeah, I, I would the fifth seed, you you want that. Plus, I want that, man. I want my, my big brother, he's a diehard Cowboy fan. So that would be fun, man. The Cowboys 49ers in the playoffs. The, the the Cowboys are flawed. The the 49ers are flawed too, but there's no perfect team right now. The AFC, all the teams are flawed. This is up in the air a little bit. I, I'm a little bit afraid. I just the way the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are playing, but he's got a bad toe now. Um, the Cardinals are good. They're the best team in the league record-wise, and they could be the first to 11 wins if they beat the Rams Monday night. But they're not like scary good. I'm more afraid of the Bucks, I think, than the Cardinals. Even though the Cardinals have beaten the 49ers a couple times, they're a good team. But the Rams are flawed. The Niners have shown they could. They the, the Niners worked the Rams worse than they've worked a, a team in a while since those 2020 playoffs, right? And and it was much like how they went against the Packers. And Shanahan's done good against the Packers. 
Niners could do some damage because all of these teams are flawed. Any of these teams could beat any of these teams in the playoff. Right. You just got to get into the tournament. And right now the 49ers are in prime, prime position to go earn a spot and get into that tournament. And anything can happen, and especially when you have a quarterback. I know I get on Jimmy Garoppolo about certain things, and things do look weird at times. But when he's on, if he could play like what he did those last two possessions but without the near pick six. But, you know, just kind of be more of that consistent, like good ball location. He did some really good things to kind of create some plays. If we get that from Jimmy Garoppolo, man, let's go, man. They're going to be all right. 49 is going to be just fine. Absolutely. Now, if you get the Jimmy that was the entire game before that and you're playing against a team that can put up some points – that's when you might be in a little trouble. <laughs> yeah, don't give the ball to the other team, and the Niners are going to be in pretty good chances, pretty good opportunities in most games playing that um, you know that brand of football that makes things difficult for opposing offenses. Bend, don't break. Run the ball a little bit. Play a little bit of keep away. Move the ball third downs. You don't have to blow people out of the water. You don't have to physically dominate every team like you did uh, in the playoffs in um, in January 2020, like you did against the Rams and the Jaguars and some teams like that. You don't even have to do that. Just play complimentary football, and the 49ers will be in a lot of these football games, as we saw, uh, as we've seen in, in every win they've had this season, really. All right. They, they, I will say this. One thing about the 49ers, whether it's we're talking about playoffs, you know, looking forward, or whether right now, their their room for error is, is really small. Like, we look at this game against Cincy that went into overtime, a game where they gave you the ball multiple times in their territory on muff punts, and it still goes into overtime, and you don't even turn the ball turn the ball over? That's hella weird. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the room for error that they have is not is not ideal. They, they're, they're not – there's been a couple times where they're like, they've really put on the gas, but – in Cincinnati, they, they had an opportunity. They didn't. All those turnovers, like that, that game could have definitely gone a different direction. Um, so, so they're not blowing people out. So, I, I agree. Margin of error is a little bit thin. Complimentary football, they can be in games, they can lose games still. So, uh, but it was good to see them not have the running game at full capacity and still beat a team. I think that was pretty important for the 49ers. And to see Jimmy G, you know, drive down the field in overtime, have a big drive, six of six, the 40 or what, four or four, whatever it was, um, in, in overtime, you know, and yeah, it makes some play. I, I hear what you're saying. And again, at the end of the day, they came, it, it came down to the 49ers. They were driving. They had opportunities to win the ball, you know, win the game, miss the, extra, you know, the field goal, and, and then obviously overtime. But they scored three points in the second half. You know, so, you know, we could talk about the run game not being there, but still being able to win. The week before, something a little similar, right, against Seattle Seahawks, they scored zero points in the second half. In that game, they also kind of struggled a little bit to, to run the ball. Now, again, now the game where they still had an opportunity to win the game, but, again, that just goes to how small that margin there. We're talking about the last two second halves, not including overtime, three points in four quarters of second-half football. Not, not a, That's not – that's not the recipe <laughs> right there. So are they, they going to yep. continue to try to jump out two big leads in the first half, which they did against Seattle? Obviously, they were up double digits or close to it, nine points or whatever, and you know jumped out to double-digit lead against the Bengals. But again, that was more so because they muffed punts. If they don't muff the punts, then you know that's just me looking at it from just a different perspective. Not saying I'm like super worried about the 49ers, but – those are just things. Go back to weeks one and week two where you and I were like, hey, something's not quite right here. To me, that's just something I'm, I'm going to continue to keep an eye on, and we'll see what it looks like against Atlanta. 
Well, like we said, the 49ers are flawed. They're one of those flawed teams, but so are some <laughs> yeah. other teams around the NFL, even some playoff teams. So uh, just get into the tournament. We'll see how that ball bounces, and the 49ers do have an opportunity to uh, maybe even shock some people and do some things when they get into that tournament. But you're right. Margin of error uh, is very slim for this team if they're going to go uh, and play deep into January. Let's get to some mailbag next after I tell the folks about Stance Socks. Uh, it's a fantastic gift if you're looking for some last minute gifts for someone that you know someone that you love because they will love you back after getting stance socks they've been gifted to me in the past uh, i've got ankle socks that are athletic and perfect for going out and playing whatever sport running whatever i need to do i've got some awesome looking sf giant socks they're very unique looking designs uh, that i love and it, you'll, someone will be happy to open this gift and see those Stance socks because they're comfortable. They are high-quality socks. Stance, founded in 2009, represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. Don't forget about that underwear, too. Uh, with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Batman, Goonies, Star Wars... Harry Potter, uh, Marvel Universe, MLB, NBA, all kinds of different sock designs at Stance.com. Stance believe the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those who feel good, do good. So go see for yourself. Register for Stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply that 15%. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Okay, Crocky, let's dip into this mailbag a little bit. Actually, hold on. One more statistical note here. Uh, I have multiple statistical notes. I don't know how deep we want to get into some of these stats, but I uh, just saw this come down this, the timeline. Trent Williams is breaking Pro Football Focus's grading system over here. Uh, his grade <laughs> this season is now up to 99, which is something wow. that doesn't happen. It's unprecedented, according to Sam Monson of PFF. And uh, is I mean, you, you don't need a PFF grade to know that he's dominating. He's the best offensive lineman in football right now. But it's amazing that they're 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 gonna have to rethink the way they grade things. What's funny is when you play as well as Trent Williams is playing, and you it skews that number so high, it's gonna make the rest of the league look worse. And that's what some people get upset about because an offensive lineman who's playing okay will get like a 65 grade they're like what gives it should be a higher grade but if they redo the grading scale because of what trent williams is doing it's gonna make everyone else even look worse than yeah that. um it'll be interesting to see what they do if he breaks their system and they have to change things over there at pff but no i mean you don't need the number you don't need the pff grade to know that he's dominating and i mean i feel bad for trey hendrickson he goes up against trent williams and then gets hurt not only uh, he did get a sack in that game though before oh, he that, got hurt. But it's like yeah, oh, that man. twist, that stunt. That's not the that's not the the card you want to pull when you're uh when you're looking at the schedule. You're like, all right, well, let's see what teams I got. Oh man, I got to line I got to line up at right defensive end against the 49ers. That's not that's probably not a good feeling. I want to know what makes him so good. Like, why is he so much better than everybody else? Like, what is it? What is it that he's doing? Because I, I'll tell you this. When I watch him, and again, I, I don't know exactly what I'm looking at with offensive linemen, but it doesn't look like exactly. He does some things that I feel like only he can do. And, it, right, and it's yeah. like, why can you do that? But other people aren't even attempting that type of stuff. Yeah, somebody will Did try to see do that play. Catch him a weird way and just toss him to the side or uh, block this dude with one hand and then kind of 
jump over here and help out because he's so athletic and so strong at the yeah. same time. He can do things that that you're not supposed to be able to do. Did you see the Debo Samuel run play and what Trent Williams did? Uh, remind me. So Debo ran up the middle. It was like one of his first runs. And Trent Williams just like grabbed his guy and literally just threw him. You you know, like uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when uh, DJ uh, Jazzy Jeff, whatever, always gets thrown out the house. Like yeah. that's what it looked like where, where like Trent Williams just – I, I do that with my son. Like one time my son, he, he's talking trash. Like, man, you old, blah, blah. So I was just pressing him to the ground. Like I was just, boom, pressing him to the ground in front of his friends, right? That's what it looked like Trent Williams is doing, but with like other grown men. <laughs> Where he's like, he's just throwing, like he just, yeah. boom. I'm just like, how is this guy, how is he this good? I always wonder that. Like what makes one person just so much better than everyone else? Where there's somebody that's just super smart. Like, what made, and I get it, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, the, just his mentality and all that. But it was like, what made Michael in 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 a sport with all elite, talented guys, but what made him so much better than everybody else? And it seems like, uh, you know, Trent Williams, which I was wondering, some people were like, oh, future Hall of Famer. And I was thinking like, is he though? And then now it's like, God damn. This is the best left tackle I've ever seen. <laughs> and we just watched Joe Staley for a decade. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. He's like, oh, no, Joe Staley retires. The 49ers are screwed. And then you get somebody who's actually even better. And it's like, wow, oh, my God, uh, the stuff that that he can do. It would have been awesome to see Trent Williams and Joe Staley play together. How cool is that? But it's not even that. It's like, oh, wow, he's better. It's like, it's not even close. And we thought Joe Staley was a great tackle. <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy. He, Yeah, he, he's a special dude. And... Uh, he's playing awesome right now, and that's why uh, we, we saw the stat. I, don't, I think it was a couple weeks ago. I don't know what it is anymore, but I'm sure it's still very close. Uh, Elijah Mitchell has showed him running left versus running in the middle versus running right. He's averaging like nine yards a carry on the left side. It's crazy. Then you get him with George Kittle next to him. Just killing yeah. people. They're moving bodies. Yeah, and <laughs> I saw the the pressure rate too, and there was the one pressure against Trent Williams, and then it was like as you moved right on the offensive line, and the the Bengals interior did really really well too. But it was like you know Brunskill and Compton had a bunch, and then you know a little bit less as you go left, and then one pressure for uh, for Trent Williams <laughs> Sunday. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right, since we're talking stats, let's get to one more stat, and then we'll hit a couple questions and get out of here. Um, this one relayed from. Al Sacco, and he was replying to Matt Mayoko's tweet about Jimmy Garoppolo, who threw for 296 yards Sunday and became the fastest 49ers in 49er quarterback in history to go over the 10,000 yard passing mark. He did it in only 43 games. Took Jeff Garcia 44 games, who's the next closest. He broke his record. Colin Kaepernick took 40 or 56. Alex Smith took 58 games. Took Joe Montana 64 games to get over the 10,000 yard mark. He did it 20 games faster than Joe Montana, which is pretty crazy. 42 starts. Um, in those games, it was only 41 starts. So it was one start fewer, though, for Joe Montana because Joe Montana slow played his way into things with the 49ers. But, yeah, obviously they throw the ball a lot more in 2021 than they did in 1979, too. So that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. The game was just so much different. And, and the way that the rules are now – it kind of really favors just throwing the ball and spreading things out. The interesting thing is, I think even though we look at this as an era of throwing the ball more, Jimmy Garoppolo's not. So it still is kind of more comparable to 
you know, Jeff Garcia, you know, or the Steve Youngs or the, maybe not Steve, but you know, the, the Colin Kaepernick, Joe Montana's the guys back then, because he, you know, our, our guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's throwing it. I'd say the least amount like in the NFL or like bottom three or bottom four is not the 49ers don't have a whole lot of passing attempts. So it is more like those go and the 49ers aren't really utilizing the wide open, you know, spread offense that makes things easier and dink and dunk and really just kind of these weird passing yards. No, they're, it's like they're running pro, you know, I formation, I pro two receivers going out with a tight end. So it probably looks more like what we saw with Joe Montana early on. So I'd say more times I'd be like, oh man, different eras. You can't compare the two. But I think with the 49ers and the way they run the offense, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing for this amount of yards and comparing it to guys like Joe Montana, I think it's it's fair. Yeah, like the Buffalo Bills. I wonder how fast Josh Allen's going to pass even Jim Kelly, who was running the run and shoot. They were throwing the heck out of the ball for that day and age, late 80s and early 90s with Jim Kelly and the Buffalo Bills. And I think he threw 54 pass attempts or something yesterday. Josh Allen's going to blow by by those records. So in, in some cases, yeah. Um, they went a whole half without running the ball. <laughs> they didn't even hand it off. Did not hand it off. How, how, this was crazy. I ran into I think this. He ran the, I think he ran the ball, but he didn't. Yeah, he didn't he did. hand it off. Yeah. He did, but he didn't hand it off. I ran into this stat today doing the uh, Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Check that one out, by the way, um, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, the, uh, Josh Allen handed off to his running backs, Matt Breida and Devin Singletary, seven total times Sunday. The quarterback on the other side, Tom Brady, had as many carries as the Bills running backs. Tom Brady carried it wow. seven times in that game. Uh, and they chucked it a combined like 100 times too. So that, that was a pretty fun game that also went to overtime. A couple of thrillers that a lot of 49ers fans might not have seen. You go, you want to go back and watch that condensed game. That was a good one. How, how many yards rushing did Josh Allen have yesterday? Let's see. Uh, he led the team. It was something like 69 yards or something like that. It, it was okay. a decent amount. Yeah. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. I just want to see because the way they you they, I don't know. That's weird. Just playing a, a whole season without really you know factoring in the the run game. I think it was a statement, knowing that first of all they're playing in Tampa. It wasn't that you know twenty five degrees and and blizzard or whatever hell they're playing with the with the Patriots the week before. So they're playing in Tampa, going against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They probably knew they had to score a lot of points, so they had a heavy pass game plan. But it's almost like a big FU to the rest of the league and to Bill Belichick and to everybody who criticized them for not being able to run the ball and play that type of a game. They said, well, we're, how about this? We won't even hand it off at all for an entire half of football. Hey, uh, back, but It didn't hey, really work out that well for them in the first half either, so probably shouldn't try that I, again. If I'm seeing this correctly, he ran for more than – 60 yards josh allen uh, how many was it 109 oh really yeah so 308 passing yards 109 rushing yards 12 attempts oh, i didn't realize it was that many yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right yeah 12 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown yeah damn so uh, over 400 yards of offense for i yeah. mean he was their entire offense he handed off seven times every other yard was attributed now to they also fell behind too. I, wasn't this the game? They were down that's, big. Yeah, they were down. So they only scored. That's the thing. He handed it off zero times in the first half. They only scored three points. He handed it off more in the second half when they came back and forced overtime. They ended up I know, but still, when you, you know, say more, it's like you know, seven times. Well, still seven <laughs> you know? times, but it was zero the first half, and they only scored yeah. three points. So it didn't work. You got to have a little bit of balance maybe in there. 
Um, and then it's funny because Devin Singletary then had only four carries, but for 52 yards. So he was yeah. you know, 12 yards a carry. Well, maybe Tampa was like, well, they're down big. They're not going to run it now. And it was they're like, oh, now, yeah. more run. You got a couple. <laughs> yep. That's probably what happened. Here's a good question from Jeremy on Twitter. Hold on, real quick. Real okay. quick. Sorry to cut you off, Jeremy. Uh, imagine that seven carries from your your running backs and you still have like 160 rushing yards or more. Yeah. I mean, the total running yards, they looked okay. But <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it happened. It's a weird game. Yeah. Really weird game. Yeah. Jeremy says, at BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker mailbag. In hindsight, would you all still take DK over Debo in a 2019 redraft? Oh, a redraft. DK over this year, Debo. Debo's got him. DK had him the first two years. So if you're looking at seasons, still two to one, DK over Samuel. They're both super unique in their own way. They're both so different. I look at it this way: How amazing would it be if they were together? The 49ers took a wide receiver three picks after DK yeah. Metcalf was selected by the Seattle Seahawks, and the Seahawks traded up to that spot. The 49ers took a stinking putter in the fourth round, trade that fourth round pick, move up, draft DK Metcalf as he slides through round two. You got Debo on one side and DK on the other Could side. Could you imagine that? Because Kyle likes that physical. I feel like Kyle, and maybe he misjudged the character aspect of it or whatever, but I feel like he would have liked D DK. Because DK is a bully yeah. on the field. Oh, yeah, he'll he talks crazy Eddie. to the guys. Did you hear the story with uh, number two from Philadelphia Slay? Darius Slay? I don't think so. Did you so. hear the story? Oh, no. so DK, and I know we're going to get out of here, guys, but so DK, I guess he sees him like pregame and he's like, man, like, like, damn. I, I think maybe he was saying it under his breath or saying it to somebody, but he said it loud enough like to where DK could hear. And DK was like, yeah, you little B word. Like, yeah, I'm this. I mean, like. And he was like, whoa, like, you know, nobody's ever talked to me like that. I'm paraphrasing it, but it was something along those lines where he said something kind of like, damn, that's a big ass dude. And DK was like, yeah, like I'm this and I'm that. And then he was like disrespectful to him during the game. And like DK is, is he's a bully out there. Yeah. And obviously like he's emotional too. So he can get a little frustrated at times, but uh, I could only imagine having that type of guy on the 49ers while having D Debo Samuel as well, two guys, because because Debo plays with that physicality, but I'm not sure he has like the legit like alpha mentality. Like he plays with the alpha mentality, but does he like project that onto like his opponents as far as like, you know, his talking and like, like I'm the aggressor. DK Metcalf does. We've heard him with, uh, with Jimmy Ward. Did you hear that back and forth on mic'd up? Where he was like, calling him the b-word and he was like don't oh, yeah, talk yeah. to me and all that like i'm just like golly why is this guy so angry <laughs> yeah yeah he, he plays mean he, he's a big dude and obviously he can run but he's more than just a one route guy too so imagine dk because dk can run all those routes that they ask Ayuk to do he could be a perfect fit for that x position you got debo in the z position who's moving around doing all kinds of crazy stuff DK's awesome on not only the nine routes, but he's good on slants. He's great on the dig routes, and the Niners run dig routes all day long. Um, and, you know, he's a bigger body, bigger catch radius for Jimmy to throw to. Those, some of those high passes, maybe he catches them. How about this? 
does DK Metcalf go up and, and pull down the rebound on that throw to, to Travis Benjamin Sunday? Does he catch the ball that was too long for Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl? That's DK Metcalf running 4-3 at six foot four. Does does is he a step closer? Does he catch that ball? Do the 49ers win the Super Bowl with a player like that? You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Well, uh, always always wonder what if. Debo's well, we got, special we, too. Hey, we got Jalen Hurts. That gap for sure. So uh that's a tough question. Uh I think a lot of 49ers fans are just fine with Debo Samuel right now, uh, as that second round pick in 2019. They are so much different that you can justify it. They're just so I, much different. They're, they're, their styles are so different. You can justify why the 49ers are good or better off with Debo Samuel than they would be with DK Metcalf. But if you got them both, yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, he'll be a free agent in a couple years. Maybe the Niners can make right, can make good on that. Uh, who knows? Maybe the Seahawks will blow it up and they'll trade him somewhere. And then the Niners can, can swoop in at some point and add DK and, and, and right that wrong. Um, anyway. All right. We do, got to get out of here we have gone way long appreciate everybody out there make sure you hit that subscribe button please it makes uh life so much easier for us if you just hit that little subscribe maybe hit the bell so you know when we're going live we like to go live every week maybe a second time going live every week if we can uh we appreciate you we're available on all the audio podcast platforms out there every single day thanks for making us your first listen be back tomorrow winky wednesday right here locked on 49ers